Uh, I lead men's ministry at the church now for uh, the last few weeks, and I'm letting you know that we're kicking off a influencers ministry men's night here Thursday, October 26th at 6 o'clock. We call it M6. That could be men at 6, meal at 6, my favorite meat at 6. <laughs> we're going to eat. What it doesn't stand for is money at 6. It's free. You come. We want to ask the men of this body to not just come support the other men in this body, but bring your young sons, 12 years old and older. It's for all. We're going to have a terrific night here as the weeks progress. It's four weeks from Thursday. I'll share some more content and detail with that. But it's going to be a terrific time. Influencers Ministries is a parachurch organization. This isn't a well organization. This is a night that we're going to have here for influencers. And the doctrine is Jesus as Savior and a need for a Savior. That's what the focus is. We leave everything else at the door, so we have shared uh, with the other churches in the ministerial uh, group in town and elsewhere. We expect a large crowd. Like I said, we're going to have dinner, and we're going to hear a story of godly men. That is the focus, godly men, and their growing faith. That's where we're going with that. So I want to encourage everybody. I know we've got a sign-up cart on the cart outside to sign up. In a moment, Mark is going to share some additional ways that you can sign up for this. But we're going to keep beating the drum on this for the next four weeks. And we're going to see what the Holy Spirit can do with the men of this body joining with men from other bodies to grow the kingdom. Thank you. All right, good morning, everybody. If you don't know me, I'm Isaac. I work for, not work, I volunteer for the youth. <laughs> I don't get paid, I'll get, that's Jordan. Jordan gets the big bucks. Um, but we have a board game night, and this is anything but boring. Don't get it confused. This is an exciting board game night. We're going to be playing board games. This is going to be at uh, 6.30, Friday, Friday, October 6th. It's going to be here in the commons, wherever. And we're going to be playing Everdell, One Night Uno, and it's a B-Y-O-B-G, bring your own board game. So if you know any youth, invite them here. And yeah, you can register with Jordan, or you can register online. And yeah, Kathy. I wasn't cutting you off, Isaac. <laughs> Time's up. Okay, uh, hello, my name's Kathy, um, and I wanted to give you some updates and some information about women's ministry. Uh, just so I don't forget, I'll start with this. The Monday morning Bible study this week has been canceled, so they just wanted everyone to know that. So Monday, uh, Monday morning Bible study is canceled just for this week. So two things that are coming up in October. We have a prayer walk, October 7th, 8 a.m., or meeting at the well. And we're walking, um, it's a mile and a half loop, and we're going to stop at three other places, and each place we're going to pray for something specific for um, the church, other uh, believers, the valley, students, uh, at each one of these places. So um, it's a mile and a half loop. It's also drivable, so uh, if you're not able to walk, um, we'll just have a little map and we'll just kind of show you okay we'll meet here we'll meet there so we'll have that that's October 7th at 8 a.m. 
uh, and we're meeting here to start. Also, we have a worship night coming up October 21st, 7 p.m. here in the Commons. We had one um, maybe six months ago, and it was great. Uh, we'd like to do it again. Um, so women, you are invited uh, October 21st, 7 p.m. in the Commons for a worship night. Thanks. Thank you, Kathy. Um, so a couple things uh, related just to mission work. Um, so next Saturday, Jordan's going to put up the slide. There is a Walk of Compassion next Saturday morning. Registration's at 8.30. The walk starts at 9 o'clock. This is in support of the uh, Pregnancy Center here in Ojai. Very important ministry to lots and lots of women and families here in Ojai. This is their biggest kind of fundraiser and opportunity to come alongside them. So we really encourage everyone to just kind of make, put on your calendar, start or register 8.30, the walk starts at nine o'clock next Saturday morning. Um, second thing is about Mexico. Um, we, as you well know, it's only a month from now. Uh, we're gonna be leaving, a whole group of us. We've got 19 people signed up right now. We have room for a few more, so if the Lord is putting it on your heart, uh, we've still got room and would love to have you come. Uh, we have raised about $13,286 so far towards our goal of about 29,000 to uh, build the two homes that we're gonna be building during that week, um, and I'm going to talk about, uh, well, and then the next thing is the taco bar that we're having, and this is coming up in two weeks. Um, this is a great opportunity. One, it's a ton of fun, and two, it's an opportunity to really give towards the, uh, the fundraising needs that we have relative to this trip. Uh, there's no cost to come, kind of like uh, the other things that we do, but again, just however the Lord puts it on your heart to donate at that event. It's going to be on the 8th after church here. We are inviting our Baptist friends. Last time we had 80 or 90 people here, and we've got Tyler Morris and uh, Dio uh, Marin and other guys who are going to be doing all the barbecuing. It's wonderful food and a great opportunity. So we do also have a sign-up sheet out on the cart, but I'm going to walk you through four different slides about a new capability that Jordan, uh, our tech guy and wonderful guy and youth guy and Shiloh's husband and Zia's dad and all the things that... Richie's son-in-law. Richie's son-in-law. I just got all these... It's just, you know, everything that Jordan is. So, and here comes the cook for the taco bar. Tyler Morris, yeah, okay. We're looking forward to that. So um, you can sign up not just for the taco bar, but one way to sign up for the taco bar, one way to sign up for M6 coming up, uh, another way to sign up for, I think, even the prayer walk and other things is online. So this is a new capability. So you can sign up via the web or the app. So this is a picture of the website. The first thing that you do is you uh, click on events uh, on the website, and then you find the particular event. Here he's got an arrow pointed to the Taco Bar fundraiser on the 8th. So you would click on that event, and up will come a page where you're just putting in your uh, bio data. Who put that stuff in there? Oh, my gosh. Okay. Uh, so you would actually just complete this information online and uh, you would click, I guess, enter and that would send an email to me letting me know that you've signed up and it officially registers you for that event. So looking on the app side of things, 
Again, you would uh, click on events or go down to the, um, the section that has events in it. You would find the particular event that you're interested in, click on that, and again, it would take you to the same page where register now, I guess that says, and uh, would, that register now would take you to the same page we just looked at on the web. You put in your uh, information, click uh, submit, and you're officially registered for that event. We are going to continue working our way through the Gospel of Mark. We're actually going to pause, actually. We have been working our way through the Gospel of Mark. And, um, you know, if you've been with us any length of time, you know we've gone through Philippians and Ephesians. And, and so we're working our way through the Gospel of Mark. And we finished Mark 2, started Mark 3 last week. Uh, but every once in a while, as we're working through uh, Scripture... We come to a place where, where God kind of puts on our heart, we need, we need to pause. We need to pause and, and kind of take a little off-ramp, a little detour for a few weeks, and then come back. Uh, because the Lord sometimes impresses on my heart that, you know, as a church, we need to camp somewhere for just a little bit, for just a little bit. And in the end of Mark 2 and into Mark chapter 3, last week, 1 through 6, we saw Jesus interacting with the Pharisees. And in particular, it had to do with the Sabbath. And then last week, it had to do with Jesus healing a man's withered hand on the Sabbath in the synagogue. And we saw that the religious leaders, you know, they got upset. They were angry. They were angry. And in fact, in Luke 13, Jesus healed a woman who had been crippled for 18 years on the Sabbath in the synagogue. And in Luke 13, it says that the synagogue leader was indignant. This woman had suffered terribly for 18 years on the Sabbath in the synagogue. Jesus does a miraculous thing. He heals her, and you would think that would be a woo-hoo moment. But the synagogue leader, according to Scripture, is indignant. And as I was reflecting on these passages, and, you know, Lord, where are we going? Because I try very hard not to just go through Scripture because we're supposed to. Right, And I try to really be sensitive to, to what the Lord's teaching me, but teaching us as a church. And this, this connection between the synagogue and Sabbath and Jesus doing really good, miraculous things and the Pharisees having come to a place where they are so hardened. In fact, in Mark 3, 5, it says Jesus last week, we saw he was grieved at the hardness of their hearts. Right, So Jesus is doing miraculous healings happens to be on the Sabbath in the synagogue, and the religious leaders' hearts have become so hardened that rather than celebrating, they're condemning. They have become so rigid in doing the Sabbath just right and keeping all the rules and their rituals and their traditions that their hearts have become hardened to genuine human need, to compassion, to grace, to love. Right? And as I was praying through and prepping for this Sunday, I was like, Lord, could that happen here? Could we as a church become over time more concerned about doing Sunday at 10 a.m. correctly, the temperature just right, the lights just right, the live stream happening, right, hitting every cue, right, sermon prep, the right donuts, the, 
you know, everything. Can we get so consumed here with doing church so right that our hearts over time become hardened to the people sitting around you right now? We wake up, and rather than saying, Lord, what do you have for me in my heart as we gather as the community of believers, we're more focused on getting through another Sunday morning just right. We have roadmaps. We meet at 8 o'clock. We have a roadmap. I don't know if I have one here, but we, I, every Sunday or every, yeah, every Sunday I print one out. We go through the roadmap. We go through all the announcements, who's doing what, which mic are we going to use. I'll make sure all the slides are in order, right? Try our best to make sure there's no typos. Anything that could be a distraction, we try to eliminate. We try to make the transition seamless, right? It's a miracle, right? Every time after worship, someone prays, and I miraculously show up on Sunday. And you're like, open your eyes, like, whoa, he's there again, right? We try to make it seamless, right? We try to do everything we can to eliminate distractions, but if we're not careful, in the doing of church, even at the leadership level, our hearts can become hardened. And you show up, and we're more focused on it, getting it just right with no mess-ups than what God wants to do. And God might have done a really great thing in your life today. You might get saved God might heal you today, spiritually, physically, emotionally. He did make do a great thing. And if I'm not careful, I'm more upset because a cue got missed. Because it was too hot. And you're like, yeah, but God really moved. I know, but man, we really messed up there. And I have been in churches like that. I used to, I've, down in uh, San Diego, I've served on some mega churches where there's thousands of people who come every Sunday. And in this particular church, after everyone was gone, we would sit as a staff for like an hour or two and debrief what happened that morning and it was turned into sort of like how did we mess up morning and it was not fun to sit through that because you had to give this report you know good and not so good but we were so focused on doing mega church so well that somewhere in the mix we lost the people and so as I was prepping for this I was like Lord are we supposed to move through Mark 3 He's like, no, just hit the pause button. And like Randy said, if you were here earlier, we're just going to ask two fundamental questions today to kind of check a heart check. It's a heart check about church. Why are you here? And what are you supposed to be doing when you're here? Think about it just a second. Why are you here? Like at 10 a.m., why did you get up? Why did you come here and having come here, what are you supposed to be doing? Now, I'm going to actually refine those two questions. What does the Bible say about why you're supposed to be here? And what does the Bible say about what you're supposed to be doing when we, the church gathers? Because we, we live in a very feeling-centric society. So you might come here because it feels good, because I like it. And all the reasons really coming from I. But that's not the question. The question is, why are you here biblically? And what are you supposed to do when you come to church biblically? Right? And we're going to answer that. We're going to walk through that. And it may get a little uncomfortable because, again, what we're going to be challenged with today, even in the church, is this culture of self, this culture of feelings, this culture of opinion. 
has seeped in to where now, if I don't like it, it's not true. And if it doesn't jive with my opinion, it's just not true and I discount it. And so we better be clear about why we are here biblically. Because if we're not clear about why you attend church and then what you're supposed to do at church, you got to be careful because it can affect your heart. And your heart can get hardened because your heart, even when it comes to church, is coming from a place of self. Self-enjoyment, self-centeredness, self-righteousness. Right? When truth be known, we're here for anything but self. And you're going to see that. You're going to see that. If you've been with me any length of time, I, I like to share this, uh, this story that kind of helps us kind of, I think, contextualize this, illustrate it. You know that many of you know I, I love to deep sea fish. We go out to the islands every once in a while. And we'll go out to the islands, takes a little bit. And we'll, we'll start to get to a place where I'm familiar and I know, okay, we're probably going to fish in the gap. They call it the gap. And so the captain will start to circle. And I know he has radar and he's looking for fish. He's looking for fish, rocks, structure. And I could tell when he starts to find it, when the fish finder starts to go off, because he'll start to circle, right? He'll start to circle. And, and the veterans of, of deep sea fishing, you know when he starts to circle, you get a little excited. You get a little excited. So guys start to mosey. We grab our rods, you know, and, and you kind of bait up. You catch the little thing. You bait it. And you're just standing by the rail. And technically, you're not supposed to drop your lines until the captain says, okay, right? But those of us who are very competitive, we just kind of get excited, and we're like, you know, you're just kind of there, you know, it's not in, it's just dangling, it's, you know. And he'll circle, and he'll circle in a circle, and every once in a while he'll stop, and then every once in a while he'll, he'll fire it into reverse, and he's trying to get us right on the fish, like rocks and structures. He, he sees them, and he knows if I drop here, if I anchor here, boom, right? Or if we just stop. So he'll do and boom, the engines rear up, and he goes, okay, let him go. And you're like, Pizz! and you just let it go, you let it go, hits the bottom. And if you're one of the first ones down there, man, it's just like you get hit. Boom, fish on, bang, you know. And I get so, like, there. I'm in my own world. If you're like, Pastor Richie, what do you do that sends you into your own little world? It's deep sea fishing. Because when my rod, when it lines in the water, there's nothing exists in the world except my line in the water and the tip. And I'm just like this. I could stand there motionless for like two hours. Right? And so we get some hits. And I'm so focused on doing fishing, like getting it right. Boom, right? Hit it, miss it, take your bait, rebate. It happens very frequently. I'll be there. And initially, everyone's catching because he put us on the fish, right? But what happens? Fish get caught or, or it goes quiet. And we're like, hmm, because you don't hear fish on, and you don't see the deckhands moving very much anymore. And it gets quiet, and you're just kind of like, okay, it's kind of dying. And then the captain will say, okay, reel them up. We drifted. I have to reset. So what happens is you're in there, and without knowing it, because I'm so focused on the tip of my rod right there and catching the next fish, I don't even know that we've drifted like 200 yards. I look up, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, where's the gap? So we have to reel it up. And he has to circle around again, find him again, and he puts us right back on the spot. My point is, in church, we can get so focused on doing all the right things that we don't realize you drifted off. 
you drifted away from the heart. You drifted, and maybe this morning, God will speak to your heart that you've drifted. You just kind of got so focused on watching your thing, your next catch. And suddenly today is like, all right, reel them up. Reel them up. And sometimes maybe as a church, you'll say, reel it up. Well, we got to take a lap. We got to circle around because, well, you've been doing church so well that the well has become the thing rather than Jesus. And when that happens, we got to reel them up. And we got to circle around and we got to get right over Jesus. And we all got to drop them right back down on Jesus. Right? And that's kind of my heart today because it would break my heart if we got so consumed around here in any ministry, women's ministry, men's ministry, youth, children's, if we got so focused on doing everything right that we missed the people. We missed the whole reason behind this. Right? And now we're servants of the machine of church. Now our focus is keeping the machine running rather than ministering to people. So we're going to come back today and over the next few weeks, we're going to come back to what I call the basics of why we're here and what we're supposed to do. Why did we even have this worship set? I know you all enjoyed it. I certainly did. But why? Why do we do that? Why are we doing this? Why am I preaching the word on church? What do See, some of you just, you never asked the why. Some of you this morning, I'm going to, maybe your kids, you woke up, well, I had five kids, I wake up, we're going to church. Why? What would you say? Mom and dad? Biblically, which doesn't mean because I said so. Right? First Skippy, 3-8, because I said so. No. How would you answer that today? One of your coworkers, one of your friends, hey, what'd you do yesterday? Oh, man, we go to this church, this really good church called The Well. Why? And then, what, what do you do? Well, there's singing and there's, yeah, no, that's what happens there. But what do you do when you go? So why do you go, and what are you supposed to do when you're there? Don't tell me what happens. I know what happens. I watch it on TV. I've seen it. I know there's music. I know someone gets up and talks, right? But why did you go, and what are you supposed to do there? Right? right? Is that it? Biblically. What does the Bible say? And we're going to look at this. And, and really, I'm going to ask you, because for some who have grown up in the church or are very familiar with the church, this is one of those real moments where you might be challenged starting right now, before you even leave here. You could have a paradigm shift about what you're supposed to do before you leave here, literally. And then every other Sunday, you might wake up and have a completely different expectation and motivation and joy and enthusiasm about what's supposed to happen here. See, if we're united... Biblically, on why we're here, and if we're united biblically in what we're supposed to do, watch out. Then the Holy Spirit moves. Then there's life. Then there's life. There's vitality. There's energy. There's everything because we're doing church the way God intended it. 
See, if we do church the way God intended it, there's life. Many of us, many of us view church as an organization. See, you view this as an organization. You go to the well at 1290 grand, and then you leave the well. So you go to church, and then you leave church. That's an organizational mindset. That is not biblical. The church is a living organism called the body of Christ. This is, a, this is an organism. We're alive. Now there's structure and there's roadmap and everything like that, but at its core, the church is a living entity. I would argue one of the greatest entities ever created by God himself. Amen? This is not just an organization. But in your mind, if you say, I'm going to church, and now church is over, ponder the consequences of your life. If you came to church and then you left church, we dismiss it. Let's say you leave church at 12 o'clock, you roll out. What's your mindset then? Well, I'm leaving church. Got my life back. See, biblically, you never stop being church. You are the church. We just happen to gather collectively at 10 a.m. But the way we do it now is that we say, and words matter, right, Bill? Words matter. We're going to church. Now church is over, which means I'm in charge again. The event is over. Let's get on with my life. That's a deeply ingrained paradigm that some of you, some of you at home, may not even be aware that you have. You never stop being the church. How do I know that? 1 Corinthians 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized. Baptized means to be placed into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. When you put your faith in Jesus, according to 1 Corinthians 12, you were placed into, baptized into the body of Christ. Amen? The church. Positionally, we are united in Christ. Positionally, at the moment of salvation, you are now a member of the body of Christ. That's a positional truth. Now, some of you may have heard this uh, saying, with, with great privilege comes great responsibility. Well, that's true of the body of Christ. Through faith in Jesus, you and I have the most incredible privilege to be a part of the church. Amen? You're part of the church, the body of Christ, a living organism, right? But there's also practical unity. We're in positionally. Then he calls us to what I call practical unity. Ephesians 4. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness and patience, bearing with one another in love. Here it is. Eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Amen? So positionally, we are placed into the body of Christ. Practically, we are called to be eager to maintain the unity. All of us. We all have a part. We are all called. Every believer is called to be eager to maintain the unity of the church. 
1 Peter 3.8. Finally, all of you should be of one mind, sympathize with each other, love each other as brothers and sisters, be tenderhearted, and keep a humble attitude. One of the challenges we face in how we do church in 2023, particularly in the United States, is this still we have this us and them divide. We go to church, we listen to everybody up on stage, and then we leave. It's very passive, and it's very non-participatory. Because we are supposed to run the church, and we are supposed to keep the unity, and we are supposed to discipline, and we are supposed to lead ministries, and we, and we, all of us up here on stage, when I say that. When the truth is, all of these verses apply to this we. This is the we, not the stage we. Everything today we're going to look at is the big we. And that's a paradigm shift. But if you look at the early church, look at Acts 2. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with gladness and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. I love that picture of the early church because you know what? It was active participation. Everyone say active participation. We live in a very individualistic, self-centered, compartmentalized culture. And we go back and we live lives that are designed for personal peace and affluence and comfort. And generally, we decide what we want to venture out to for a little bit until we come back to our kingdoms of personal peace and affluence. That mentality, that cultural value leads to an unhealthy church. That's what we battle against. You look at the model of Acts 2.42, and it's like, all for one and one for all. We are in this together. What's mine is yours. You have a need. Let's do this. Right? They had all things in common. They went to the temple every day, not just Sunday at 10 a.m. at 12.90 grand. Their lives were joined They had all things in common, and they were actively participating in each other's lives. That paradigm directly, directly challenges the American culture. Because we are raised to get mine. Get mine, get ready for retirement, get comfortable. And once I get mine, then I'll decide... If I want to even give you a little of mine. Right? That's the American dream, isn't it? Get mine, get mine, get mine, get mine. Right? And then I'll decide. And this is where the church, again, why are you here? And what are you supposed to do when you're here? Because, again, I'm guessing that question, why are you here, a lot of it began with I. I like it. I feel good. I enjoy it. I find it convenient. 
But what happens when your feelings change? What happens when your opinion changes? Are you going to stop coming then? Because the feelings, your feelings and your opinion, and we don't, we don't measure up to your standard anymore? That's why I asked you in the very beginning, why are you here biblically? Because God's word supersedes our feelings. God's word is God's word, amen? Now, careful when you say that because you just set yourself up. God's word is the authority for a believer. God's word is the authoritative instruction manual for life. Amen? It is. But again, when you put that into a feelings-driven, self-centered culture, if we're not careful, even in the church, we now vet God's word through my feelings and opinion. And I'll obey it if I feel like it, and I'll obey it if it jives with what I think. That's not the way it works. Right? You remember years ago, uh, there was a, a bumper sticker, right? God said it, I believe it, that settles it. You remember that? Anyone remember that? Right? It used to be famous in like the 80s or 90s. God said it, I believe it, that settles it. That is not theologically correct. Take out the middle. God said it, that settles it. Whether or not I believe it is inconsequential. Okay? God said it, that settles it. And so, why are you here today? According to God's word? What does God say about meeting together? About gathering? Okay? Because he's not asking how you feel about it. He's not asking you how you feel about it. Right? Hebrews 10, 19 to 23, begins a passage that really is encouraging at the personal level. Okay, he says this. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. That's a great passage. That's a great, inspiring passage for all of us individually, collectively, but individually, to hold fast to your faith. Amen? That's a great passage, great encouragement. Woo! Let's do that. But we don't stop there. Because, again, in the church, one of the things that I've seen over 30 years, if we're not careful, my relationship with Jesus is about me, me, and me. And our relationship with Jesus is about my growth what I get out of Jesus and Jesus helping me and I go to Bible studies for what me gets out of it and I go to church for what me gets out of it, we have to be very careful that even in our desire to pursue and follow and walk with Jesus, it's not about me. I love Bill. You know, Bill said that for 13 years. It's not about you. It's not about me. And yet we live in a culture that literally tells you 24-7, 24-7, 365, it's all about you. It's all about you. Have it your way. That's the culture we live in. So we have a buffet Christianity, and we don't commit very much because we're shopping around for every church that's going to meet my need. And as soon as the church stops serving the right buffet, I find another church because it's all about me. All right? That's where we're dealing with here. 
And this is why the church in America is so weak and anemic. And this is why the church in America does not really stand out as salt and light. And this is why the church in America has lost much of its testimony because we started to reflect the me culture rather than the he culture. But we got to start. We're here. I'm here pretty much every Sunday. So we got to at least be unified. Let's just start. Let's just agree to be unified on why we're here. Amen? Okay, so here it is. Here's the answer. Mom and dad, co-work, whatever. Here's the answer biblically about why we are here. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Why are we here? Because Hebrews 10.25 says we are not to neglect meeting together. That's biblically why you should be here. We are commanded not to neglect meeting together. Now, I praise God for technology because those who have physical limitations or might be ill, you can still be connected. We're not talking about that. We're talking about a heart issue where some in the church have developed the habit of disconnection and lone ranger. That's what this is addressing. We gather on Sunday biblically because Hebrews 10, 25 says we are not to neglect meeting together. We just have a really nice place to do it. Amen? That's all this is. This whole entity at 1290 grand is simply to fulfill Hebrews 10:25 to give us a very nice place to meet together. Amen. This is not meant to be an idol. This is not meant to be anything more than a meeting place, a gathering place for the men in October, for women's Bible studies, for the youth on Wednesdays, for kingdom kids. This is simply a facility to obey God. He provides resources financial and material resources for the church to meet together at 1290 grad. Amen? That's all this is. It's just two by fours and drywall and AC. Praise God for AC, right? It's just, it's just a, a way for us to facilitate and obey Hebrews 10.25 in a little more comfort. That's all this is. Because like I told you before, if the earthquake had broken down this place, yada, yada, we would gather and still meet, according to Hebrews 10.25, out on the dirt. And you know what? It would still qualify as church. Amen? That's all this is. If we pare it down, why am I here? Why are you here? I'm not here because it's my job. As a believer, I am here because I am not to neglect meeting together with you other believers. That's just not Sundays. That's any gathering. Because he's talking about a heart issue where it says, as is the habit of some. Some have developed the habit of disconnection from the body of Christ. Some have decided, I don't need the body of Christ. I'm very fine. Thank you. Okay? Which is the very opposite of why God put you into the body. I love this Hebrews 10 in the Amplified. It says this. Let us consider thoughtfully how we may encourage one another to love and to do good deeds, not forsaking our meeting together as believers for worship and instruction, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more faithfully as you see the day of Christ's return approaching. We are here fundamentally because God tells us not to neglect meeting with other believers. That's the biblical basis. So when I wake up on a Sunday morning, I, and I don't feel like coming, 
I come. Not because I have to preach. But God call, commands me to come. Because this is a meeting of the, the brethren. It's a meeting of the church. Okay? We come. You get up in the morning. There's a gathering. Where's the gathering? 1290 grand. What time? 10 a.m. I'm not sure I feel like it. May I share with you Hebrews 10, 25. <laughs> and you know what? In faith and obedience and the power of the Holy Spirit, you come. Because I'm going to guess that many of you have not felt like coming when you woke up, but how many were blessed because you came anyway? Obedience, you were blessed by your obedience. Look at James says, if you hear and obey, you'll be blessed in your doing. Obedience is a blessing. So fundamentally, why are we here? Because we are not to neglect the meeting of the, the, the church. That's why you should come. Now, what are we supposed to do? Okay, I'm here. Now what? Right? Well, let's look at the verses. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. When we gather, we, everyone say we. Okay, because this does not, this is not pastor elders. This is we. Turn to the person next to you and say, that means you and me. That means you and me. If you're a believer, this is the big we, you and me, right? It says this. Consider how to stir up one another to love and good deeds. That word consider means to observe carefully and attentively, to think about something very carefully, continuous consideration. When we get together, we are to think about each other and each other's spiritual well-being. We are to consider one another. How many of us today, okay, just Survey says, just, you know, don't raise your hand. How many of you came to church with the intent to consider someone else's well-being this morning? Did you come considering the spiritual health and well-being of others who would be here? Did you come here open to maybe praying for someone that God might bring across your path before you leave? Did you come today to consider how to bless others? Right? It's to think about how to stir up one another to love and good deeds. That word stir up, I love it. Some of the word pictures in the NIV, it says spur. For those who write, spur one another. In the, in the King James, it's provoke. Right? So when we get together, I'm supposed to think about Isaac, and I got to think about how to stir him up, how to provoke him, how to spur him on to love and good deeds. That's what we do. We consider others and how to help them grow spiritually in their walk with Jesus. Amen? We got to think about others. But again, we live in a culture where 24-7, all we think about is me, 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 I, I, I. And God says, no. Meet. And when you meet, think about others and how to, I love this version of this, lovingly irritate them <laughs> to loving good deeds. Right? How many of you are sitting next to someone who lovingly irritated you this past week? 
Okay, take away lovingly. How many sitting next to someone who irritated you this past week? Right? Think about this. We are called. Again, why are we here? Because we're not to neglect the meeting. What are we supposed to do? Think about one another carefully and lovingly irritate each other to love Jesus more. To spur one another. To provoke one another. The men's group. Sunday at 9 a.m. They're not just having cowboy coffee and donuts. Those guys out there sharing their lives for 45 minutes are encouraging one another. They're doing this. They're stirring each other up. They're lovingly irritating. They're provoking. They're speaking of God's word. They're sharing lives. That's life. That's the church being the church, even before 10 a.m. That's what it is. Kathy meets here. You're being the church. Right? The, the people that are serving in the hospitality team get here at 8, 830, sharing your lives and celebrating, setting up outside. You're doing this. You're stirring up, you're provoking, you're lovingly irritating each other. I love that. The other word is rouse. How many of you have ever been a passenger in a car where you're sensing the driver is getting sleepy? Anyone? Making you a little nervous. Why are you raising your hand? I'll have to talk to Vinny when he drives you because that's, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're lovingly irritating me right now. <laughs> but how many of you, they've been falling asleep, nodding off, they might start to drift, and how many of you, without fear of what they're going to think, you go, hey, hey, hey! Anyone? How many of you have ever done that in somebody? Hey! As you try to stop where there's no break on your side. Hey! Hey! What are you doing? You're waking them up. You're rousing them. You're provoking them. You're stirring them up. You're doing this verse. This is what we're supposed to do spiritually when we gather. Amen? If you see somebody and they're here and just the spirit, you're just sensing that something is, is wrong or they're down, go ask them. How are you doing? How was your week? Now, once they get past the good, I'm fine, just stand there and stare at them. Okay. It was horrible. See, we're very good at that, right? How was your week? Fine. How's things going? Good. Right? How are the kids? Blessings. Right? We are here to encourage. That word encourage in there, but encouraging one another, it means to come alongside. How many of you are back in the era of roller skate land? Anyone ever go roller skating? Right? Roller skating. Right? And then... How many of you ever were the beginner or helped a beginner roller skate? What did they need? One or two people to what? Come on either side, right? And hold them up. That's the word picture for that word encouragement. As a body of Christ, biblically we gather. And when we gather, what are we supposed to do? Consider one another, stir each other up, and come along to do this Jesus together. Amen? That's what we do here. That's what we do here. This is why we do this. Okay? Proverbs 27, 17. Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. Ecclesiastes 4. Two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and is not another 
to lift him up. So I know that there are valid reasons, legitimate reasons we can't always gather health and things like that. But what we're talking about here is a heart issue, a pattern of behavior. Where a believer who was positionally placed into the body of Christ, over time they have drifted and their heart has come to the place where it basically says, I don't need you. I'm good. I'm good. And I'll be honest with you, this was the challenge and still is a challenge, still a prayer request even coming off of COVID. We did our best and we praise God for the technology that lets us reach Ojai and San Diego and all around, Minnesota, Michigan, wherever. Right? We praise God for that, that, that people are connected to us. Good morning. And Triple C is connected to us regularly. But not just this church, but churches in the valley and churches around the country. We also realize pastors, one of our things that have grieved us post-COVID is that it was a disconnect for some. They never re-engaged. We need each other. We need each other. We are the body of Christ. Right? We do need each other. And it's messy, and we don't always get it just right, and we step on toes around here and, you know, ruffle feathers. That's just part of being human. And that's just kind of following Jesus imperfectly. Because who is the church made up of? The redeemed, not the perfect. We are the redeemed. We are all in process, right? So turn to the person next to you and say, just be patient with me. Just, just be patient with me, right? We extend grace. We extend grace around here, okay? First Thessalonians 5, I love this. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Great verse for the well, right? I love that. What if we were known as the encouraging church? What a, what a great thing to be known as. We speak the truth in love. We'll call it out. We don't condone sin around. Encouraging is not condoning. It just means, you know what? We're going to come alongside you, and if there's things in your life that we're seeing that aren't right biblically, we're going to call that out in love, but we still love you because we want God's best for you, Okay? Hebrews 3.13, look at this. This is why this is important. Check this out. Exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. There's a big deal about us getting together and encouraging because it helps all of us, me included, from getting my heart hardened in an area of sin. God might use one of you, not me, one of you, to encourage and speak the truth to the person sitting next to you and prevent them from getting a hardened heart in an area. That's why we need each other. This is not about the stage people, right? Look at in the Amplified. I love this. Continually encourage one another every day as long as it's called today. And there is an opportunity. So know that none of you will be hardened into settled rebellion. By the deceitfulness of sin, its cleverness, delusive glamour, and sophistication. How many of you would admit in your life that you have at least one blind side? At least one. How many of you have ever had someone come and lovingly try to share something with you, and you initially did not want to hear it because it was in your blind side? Anyone? I got to tell you, God puts people in the church, into your life, to speak truth into those blind sides. Because he loves you. 
He loves you. We are to encourage one another. We are to exhort one another. Why? To prevent each of our hearts from becoming hardened. Hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. You should thank God that you have a brother and sister in Christ that will call out sin in your life. You should honestly thank God for that. Because you have people in your life that care enough about you that they're willing to even risk a friendship rather than see you get a hardened heart and sink into rebellion. That is a blessing from God that he puts you into the church with people who care about you enough to speak the truth in love. But that's why we get together. So we do it really well here. We make it, you know, try to make it as comfortable as possible. Even the donuts and coffee, I get that. I love that outside the fellowship. But I want to encourage you. You can get past the how is your week and how are things going. And if God puts it on your, part, your heart, have an honest conversation about something you need prayer for. Hey, can you pray for me? I'm kind of got this. Hey, this is coming up this week. And all the time after, it doesn't have to be me. It could be brothers and sisters in Christ praying for one another, encouraging one another, sharing scripture with one another. How great would that be? Right? And maybe just because uh, I'm a visual person, I'll just give this, you know, we're to lovingly provoke, stir up, spur. Here's another one that I came across. We're to lovingly honk. Canadian geese. How many of you know the V formation? Right? So, why do they honk? They honk, believe it or not, to take off in unison, to navigate, to stay together while flying. They, they coordinate. If they're going to change position, they honk. It's a warning to other geese of potential threats. So if that helps you to lovingly honk around here, <laughs> then do that. We gather in formation, but not just to sit passively and watch everything that happens on stage. It's the big we. And we stir and we encourage and we provoke and we lovingly honk and we lovingly irritate. Why? To help each other follow Jesus. That's it. That's why we get together. And if we do that, this is what Jesus says. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know you are my disciples if you have love for one another. That love he's talking about is agape love, self-sacrificial, okay? That's agape love, self-sacrificial love for the benefit of the other, expecting nothing in return, okay? Got important this. Agape love, ultimate example, self-sacrificial love for the benefit of the other person, expecting nothing in return. Phileo love is friendship love. Philadelphia, the city of brotherly Phileo love, which is in the Bible, also is hanging out love, coffee and donuts love, fellowship. That's what we normally call fellowship in the church, right? I like hanging out with you. You like hanging out with me. We ride bikes together. We go to work together. We play soccer together. We have a lot of common interests. We just like hanging out. We're friends. Nothing wrong with that. That's phileo love, but you got to keep them separate because phileo love in our fallen flesh 
can become self-centered and selfish. Friendship love can be like, I like you. You make me happy. You make me laugh. I feel so good when we're together. And suddenly this phileo love is no longer mutual. It has become selfish and self-centered. Okay? The church is called, when Jesus says we are to love one another as he loved, we are called to agape one another. We are called to self-sacrificially love and encourage one another, expecting nothing in return. Think of what would happen here if we did that. God, today I'm going to 1290 grand because you call me not to neglect the meeting. I'm going there, as you say, to be an encourager, to stir up, to lovingly irritate, and I'm going to do it all expecting nothing in return. Amen? Man, some of you would leave here exhausted, but you would feel so good. You're like, man, that was so awesome. I'm, I'm exhausted. I go home and take a nap. Why? Because you, you were used of God to be a blessing to the church. When the church gathers, the whole point is to bless one another. But what we've done is we've kind of launched into phileo love where we like hanging out, and then it's gone one step further to self-centered phileo love. When Jesus says, you know what? Can you just love one another the way I loved you? Can you just self-sacrificially give of you? If we do that, we will be salt and light in this community. You will be salt and light at your workplace. Okay? So we're going to kind of stick around here for a few weeks examining the basics of what is this thing called church? What are we supposed to do here? Now, I'm hoping now, biblically, next Sunday, you'd be like, boop, Hebrews 10, 25, got to go meet. See how it changes everything? You come here in faith and obedience, look what God's going to do in your life. Because little by little, that's sanctification and transformation. Little by little, he's gaining more of the throne. And little by little, you're getting more blessed because you're walking in faith and obedience. So you come here in faith and obedience, not neglecting the meeting. And then when you're here, Lord, show me who to encourage. Show me who to irritate. Where do I got to honk? Right? Who needs to be stirred up? Man, if you get your spiritual antenna up, God's going to use you right here. You don't have to sign up. You don't have to fill out an application. <laughs> Just love one another. I don't want to even overcomplicate that. Just love one another. And that's why I celebrate what we're about to do, communion. Uh, Mark, you guys can come on. What is communion about? Agape love. Amen? It's about agape love. They're going to sing a great song, Because of Your Love. So here's the thing. In our communion time today, when you come up, get the cup, you can go back to your seats and have communion with a family, individually, however you would like to do that. Celebrate Jesus' agape love for you. That he self-sacrificially died because he loves you that much. And then say, Lord, would you fill my heart with that same love? Here, when I go to lunch with my family, let me just self-sacrificially love others, expecting nothing in return. And you know when you get to that place, you are free. You are so free when you're just loving. And you're bringing joy. 
and you pray for one, or you say, I'm going to pray for you this week, or here's a verse. Hey, I've been thinking about you. I'm just praying for you. When you go around and you self-sacrificially love and give away Jesus' love, you are so free. And then God uses you in ways you can't even imagine. And it can even be here on a Sunday around the people sitting next to you. Lord, thank you. Say, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. God so agape the world that he gave, he sacrificially gave Jesus. And then Jesus, you say that as you have agaped us, we are to agape one another. And if we do this, all people will know that we are your disciples. It's love. Self-sacrificial love. So, Father, this morning, as we hit the pause button on the Gospel of Mark and circle back to why are we here, we're here ultimately because we love you. Jesus says, if you love me, you'll obey me. So we're here out of love and obedience. We're here because you tell us in Hebrews 10.25 not to neglect the meeting of the body of Christ. And then we've seen today that when we're here, we are supposed to encourage, consider, stir up one another to love and good deeds. We all have a mission. We all have a ministry when the church gathers. So Father, forgive us if we've allowed the culture of self to infiltrate our hearts and our paradigm and our view of church. Father, forgive me if there's areas in my life where it's really about me and not about we, not about you. We confess this and we need you because we are inundated with a culture that is so self-centered. I pray you'd guard the well, that the well would be a place of agape love that lifts up the name of Jesus, where we gather Sundays and throughout the week in all the various ministries because we love you and we love one another. So Jesus, prepare our hearts for communion. We do it in remembrance of you. If you are not here and you've never put, if you are here and you've never put your, play, your faith in Jesus, receive his agape love today. Know that God loves you so much that he sacrificed Jesus to die for you. Put your faith in Jesus. Trust him alone for salvation. Be born again into the family of God and baptized into the church. Put your faith in Jesus in the best way you know how for salvation this morning. And if you do that, come join us for communion. Celebrate Jesus as your Savior and Lord today. We sing this song because of your love and truly is God because of your love that we're even here. Because of your love, our names are written in the book of life. Because of your love, we are new creations. Because of your love, we have an incredible church family. All because of your love. Come up with communion when you're ready. Uh, 
I lead men's ministry at the church now for uh, the last few weeks, and I'm letting you know that we're kicking off a influencers ministry men's night here Thursday, October 26th at 6 o'clock. We call it M6. That could be men at 6, meal at 6, my favorite meat at 6. <laughs> we're going to eat. What it doesn't stand for is money at 6. It's free. You come, we want to ask the men of this body to not just come support the other men in this body, but bring your young sons, 12 years old and older. It's for all. We're going to have a terrific night here as the weeks progress. It's four weeks from Thursday. I'll share some more content and detail with that. But it's going to be a terrific time. Influencers Ministries is a parachurch organization. This isn't a well Organization. This is a night that we're going to have here for influencers. And the doctrine is Jesus as Savior and a need for a Savior. That's what the focus is. We leave everything else at the door. So we have shared uh, with the other churches in the ministerial uh, group in town and elsewhere. We expect a large crowd. Like I said, we're going to have dinner. And we're going to hear a story of godly men. That is the focus, godly men, and their growing faith. That's where we're going with that. So I want to encourage everybody. I know we've got a sign-up cart on the card outside to sign up. In a moment, Mark is going to share some additional ways that you can sign up for this. But we're going to keep beating the drum on this for the next four weeks. And we're going to see what the Holy Spirit can do with the men of this body joining with men from other bodies to grow the kingdom. Thank you. All right, good morning, everybody. If you don't know me, I'm Isaac. I work for, not work, I volunteer for the youth. <laughs> I don't get paid, I'll get, that's Jordan. Jordan gets the big bucks. Um, but we have a board game night, and this is anything but boring. Don't get it confused. This is an exciting board game night. We're going to be playing board games. This is going to be at uh, 6.30, Friday, Friday, October 6th. It's going to be here in the commons, wherever. And we're going to be playing Everdell, One Night Uno, and it's a B-Y-O-B-G, Bring Your Own Board Game. So, if you know any youth, invite them here, and yeah, you can register with Jordan, or you can register online, and yeah, Kathy. I wasn't cutting you off, Isaac. <laughs> Time's up. Okay, uh, hello, my name's Kathy. Um, and I wanted to give you some updates and some information about women's ministry. Uh, just so I don't forget, I'll start with this. The Monday morning Bible study this week has been canceled, so they just wanted everyone to know that. So Monday, uh, Monday morning Bible study is canceled just for this week. So two things that are coming up in October. We have a prayer walk, October 7th, 8 a.m., or meeting at the well. And we're walking... Um, it's a mile and a half loop, and we're going to stop at three other places, and each place we're going to pray for something specific for um, the church, other uh, believers, the valley, students, uh, at each one of these places. So um, it's a mile and a half loop. It's also drivable, so uh, if you're not able to walk, um, we'll just have a little map, and we'll just kind of show you, okay, we'll meet here, we'll meet there. So we'll have that. That's October 7th at 8 a.m. 
uh, and we're meeting here to start. Also, we have a worship night coming up October 21st, 7 p.m. here in the Commons. We had one um, maybe six months ago, and it was great. Uh, we'd like to do it again. Um, so, women, you are invited uh, October 21st, 7 p.m. in the Commons for a worship night. Thanks. Thank you, Kathy. Um, so a couple things uh, related just to mission work. Um, so next Saturday, Jordan's going to put up the slide. There is a Walk of Compassion next Saturday morning. Registration's at 8.30. The walk starts at 9 o'clock. This is in support of the uh, Pregnancy Center here in Ojai. Very important ministry to lots and lots of women and families here in Ojai. This is their biggest kind of fundraiser and opportunity to come alongside them. So we really encourage everyone to just kind of make, put on your calendar, start or register 8.30, the walk starts at nine o'clock next Saturday morning. Um, second thing is about Mexico. Um, we, as you well know, it's only a month from now. Uh, we're gonna be leaving, uh, a whole group of us. We've got 19 people signed up right now. We have room for a few more, so if the Lord is putting it on your heart, uh, we've still got room and would love to have you come. Uh, we have raised about $13,286 so far towards our goal of about 29,000 to uh, build the two homes that we're gonna be building during that week. Um, and I'm gonna talk about, uh, well, and then the next thing is the taco bar that we're having. And this is coming up in two weeks. Um, this is a great opportunity. One, it's a ton of fun. And two, it's an opportunity to really give towards the, uh, the fundraising needs that we have relative to this trip. Uh, there's no cost to come, kind of like uh, the other things that we do. But again, just however the Lord puts it on your heart to donate at that event. It's going to be on the 8th after church here. We are inviting our Baptist friends. Last time we had 80 or 90 people here, and we've got Tyler Morris and uh, Dio uh, Marin and other guys who are going to be doing all the barbecuing. It's wonderful food and a great opportunity. So we do also have a sign-up sheet out on the cart, but I'm going to walk you through four different slides about a new capability that Jordan uh, our tech guy and wonderful guy and youth guy and Shiloh's husband and Zia's dad and all the things that Richie's son-in-law. Richie's son-in-law. I just got kind of all these. It's just you know everything that Jordan is. So and here comes the cook for the taco bar, Tyler Morris. Yeah. Okay. We're looking forward to that. So. Um, you can sign up not just for the taco bar, but one way to sign up for the taco bar, one way to sign up for M6 coming up, uh, another way to sign up for, I think, even the prayer walk and other things is online. So this is a new capability. So you can sign up via the web or the app. So this is a picture of the website. The first thing that you do is you uh, click on events uh, on the website, and then you find the particular event. Here he's got an arrow pointed to the Taco Bar fundraiser on the 8th. So you would click on that event and up will come a page where you're just putting in your uh, bio data. Who put that stuff in it? Oh my gosh, okay. Uh, so you would actually just complete this information online and uh, you would click, I guess, enter and that would send an email to me letting me know that you've signed up and it officially registers you for that event. So looking on the app side of things, 
Again, you would uh, click on events or go down to the, um, the section that has events in it. You would find the particular event that you're interested in, click on that, and again, it would take you to the same page where register now, I guess that says, and uh, would, that register now would take you to the same page we just looked at on the web. You put in your uh, information, click uh, submit, and you're officially registered for that event.